Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a movie podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks such as the chewy, fruity, wonderful pre-show trailer snack preferred by your very best good movie buddy, Gummy Bears. As always, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and with me as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. And David, the tuxedos are off, the awards are handed out. How are you doing today? Um, I'm done with the Oscars. I'm yeah, ready, I'm ready to move on. No more prestige films for <laughs> no eight months. No more prestige months. films. I don't want to talk about prestige films for eight months. That's exactly. I kind of woke up. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of woke up this morning and I had the thought like, "What's next week? Wrinkle in time. What's after that? Tomb Raider. Finally, we're back." I don't want to hear the words "coming of age" for a while. No prest. No, I don't want to hear about prestige. <laughs> I don't want to hear about Weinstein. I don't want to hear about a twenty-four. Much respect to all of the Oscar winners, all of the Oscar nominees, but that's what we're reacting to, David. That's what we're here. We're here to offer our official reaction to our Christmas, our second Christmas, the Academy Awards, a night which we both very, very, very much love, but we have a very love-hate relationship. It's a bit of an abusive relationship. (laughs) Um, And so just before we recap, and I know you saw this, but listen, I can't help it. I gotta gloat. I'm 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 the big winner this year. I'm very I'm very proud of myself. I'm gonna get myself a championship belt for the wins. Not only did I win our public, we have as you mentioned previously, we have our our yearly viewing party and competition. Not only did I win that for the third time, I'm the only three time champion there. But when it comes to our head-to-head matchup on our predictions episode last week, I bested you by one point as well. For those of you who don't know, David Silence here is telling. He's a very competitive man. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I had to throw it out here. I got to gloat. I I feel good. You know, you got to let me strut a little bit. How do you feel about losing to me? Can I get your hot take reaction? Congratulations. (laughs) A blind squirrel finds a nut. Thank you, thank you. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a good year up on the top here, uh, gloating about this. But uh, you know, aside from all of that, David, if I'm being completely honest, I don't feel like it was a night of that many surprises. Do you? Not really. Just in terms of winners. No, I mean, I think as far as winners, both of us predicted far. I think our average. Normally, I think we're somewhere around like. 16 17 and both of us i mean you were 20 and i was 19 correct so out of 24 that's pretty good yeah so i mean that alone shows i think you know as much as we follow movies usually it's unpredictable a little bit and for us to be that on and really we didn't really miss any like main categories you missed you missed one i missed well i think the only categories that we missed were coin toss categories mm-hmm. i mean and aside from like the a couple of genuine upsets in the smaller categories like i missed um original, original screenplay. screenplay and i missed best picture and you missed best picture and and we both did it because we both bet on three billboards yep we overestimated the love that the academy would have for three billboards and i'm going to bring that up later on when it comes to 
the preferential balloting and the way that they vote for, particularly for best picture. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I should have seen Get Out coming. I don't know why I didn't do that. But I think probably that was one of the big surprises, I think, coming out of it was that Three Billboards was this juggernaut mm -hmm. through the awards season. Um, I, I mean, it won everything. It won the Golden Globes. It won the SAG Award. It won the BAFTA. I mean, it was coming in with a big head of steam. And so to see it only grab the two acting awards, I thought was a little bit of a surprise. Well, and I think I think in hindsight, had we, you know, and I think the only reason this kind of threw us off a little bit was because of the history with Argo. But right. I mean, one of our early indicators that maybe the Academy wasn't going to give three billboards as much love was the fact that it didn't get a nod for best director a nomination even for best director great point it was so, really hard i mean it was disqualified from winning a writers guild award mm -hmm. so you couldn't really judge that accurately mm -hmm. like get out i think it was um both get out and call me by your name won the writers guild awards mm -hmm. Um, which both won the the Oscars. Usually the Guild Awards are usually a pretty good measure. Um, and then the reason I picked Shape of Water is, number one, I went with my heart, but number two, it won the PGA. Mm -hmm. It won the Producers Guild. And that's a big um, endorsement. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit of... Of a surprise, I guess. The other big surprise, again, wasn't that big of a surprise because it's for visual effects, but no warp for the planet of the apes love i mean one that i think across the board you had it exactly right in our predictions episode where you said 1a and 1b is planet of the apes and and blade runner yep so you had it obviously exactly right but like i mean do you think that the academy members in general think that performance capture is like cheating somehow like obviously there has to be some explanation for how one of these films hasn't won. There's got to be something that they have against it because one could say, well, maybe people don't, you know, if you were to look visually at the two films, the common person like myself sure. would say technically Blade Runner probably looked more difficult to pull off from that standpoint. But that's from someone who maybe doesn't know all the aspects that go into what they did. And even just, I think because it's the third movie in a franchise, mm -hmm. like you take for granted how good Caesar looks right. <laughs> and how good that is all done. Like, And so I think um, that may have played against it a little bit. Um, and, and, but I, I, I mean, I also think, you know, You'd think coming in a technical category where technical people vote on it uh -huh. in the way that Academy does it. Sure. You'd think that it would win, but... I mean, you look at... I mean, the visual effects awards are usually split between sci-fis and... Um, like it's I it's it's funny I almost split the visual effects awards between movies that have to do with science fiction and movies that have to do with animals. Mm -hmm. Like those are literally the two. Um, every once in a while, there's a little outlier like Hugo, which didn't really have to do with either of those. But like you look at the Jungle Book, okay, that's animals. You look at Ex Machina, okay, that's sci-fi. You look at Interstellar, sci-fi, Gravity, sci-fi, Life of Pi, animals. So. I mean, again, this kind of brings it back to the, the main point here. But, like, I mean, those apes are photo real. Like, they're yeah. photo real. Well, um, and it's crazy to me, too, that it can be nominated three times 
for each of its right uh, movies in the trilogy and never win. And and, never and, win. and I would I would argue that of the three years it was nominated, this was probably the it went up against the most difficult movie yeah. that it went against blade runner 2049 yeah i would in most years have picked the winner outright easily um it, i think back in it lost, 2014 it lost to interstellar uh -huh. which great movie but i mean i don't know that i'm going to say it had better effects. better effects than what went on in planet of the apes right. and then in 2011 it lost to hugo uh which was a little surprising to me as well right um because I don't really think of Hugo and think effects. I loved Hugo, but I don't really think in my mind about how amazing all the effects were in Hugo. Here's what I think it is. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw something out here. I think most, especially in the past ten years, or let's say the past eight years, we can look at. And again, obviously, you know, the Oscars went really well. If we're debating, if we're not, if we're getting in depth on visual effects here, but if you look at the last eight years, almost every single winner of the award with the exception of Ex Machina was like the, a prestige film. Um, maybe The Jungle Book too, um, but like Interstellar, that was up for a bunch of awards. Gravity won a bunch of awards. Life of Pi, Hugo, Inception, hell, going all the way back to Avatar, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Um, and then, you know, pretty much before that, it was visual effects that was just, okay, what's the best one? Um, it just feels, it, it's, ah. It's weird to me. It's mm -hmm. it's weird to me because at this on one hand I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. On the other hand, like again to fit my own personal narrative, I can't help but see that they managed to even give the visual effects Oscar to the the film that grossed the least amount of money out of all five. Yeah. Well, and and I don't. It's interesting. Obviously, he's not named on it. But obviously, when you think of visual effects with War of Planet of the Apes, you think Andy Serkis, and it's like, right? What does this dude got to do to get some recognition? He's gonna get a special award at some point. Like, you know, it's gonna happen. You know, like they just gave. Do you think it? Do you think it lessens the significance of the special award when you've never gotten an actual award? No, I don't think so at all. Um, I take for example some of the people who've gotten honorary awards recently, such as our boy, good friend of the podcast, good movie buddy Donald Sutherland, got one this year. Got an sure. honorary award, considered to be one of the best actors who's never won an award. See, to um, me, same I, thing with Jackie Chan. To me, I'd just be pissed off. I'd be like. Oh, right. you can give me an honorary award, but I've never done anything that's worthy of actually winning yeah, well, the that, award. I think that brings up, you know, other conversations about, you know, uh, you know, the genres and everything. Like Donald Sutherland wasn't always a guy who played it completely straight. That motherfucker was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He was in Animal House. Same thing with Jackie Chan. Like Jackie Chan didn't get nominated for any acting awards. Um, and I, I guarantee you Andy Serkis is going to get an Oscar, but... It it brings up some very good points. I but certainly I, wouldn't turn down an honorary Oscar. But I but I think, but I think the other thing is is not only has he not gotten an Oscar, and I think there's been times where he specifically could have been at least uh, nominated. Yeah, at least one, two, three, four, at least five or six yeah, films. There's at least five or six films that he could have at least been nominated, um, much less won the awards. But even some of those movies, not even getting the effects. Right. And the amount that goes into 
him pulling off what he's doing um, and some of the characters. It's I mean, just, it's crazy. To maybe me. the Academy just doesn't know what to do with him. I mean, he's only he's been on the scene for 16 years since 2002 with Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Andy yeah. Serkis and his art form, his craft. Uh, um Motion capture. Obviously, there was motion capture beforehand, like Jar Jar Binks was motion capture. Yeah. Um, in in a different way. I mean, that was back in '99. So obviously, motion capture has been around, but it's still a relatively young craft, and it just doesn't seem like the Academy is adjusted. Yeah, and and in in the defense, I mean, the Two Towers and the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, cleaned up on yeah. on awards. <laughs> they did from that standpoint, and so maybe there's some. <laughs> some validity there, some validation. Yeah, to some point. I mean, granted, Gollum and his character in uh, Lord of the Rings is just one of the many sure. crazy visual effects in Lord of the Rings movies. Sure. But uh, maybe there's some validation from there. Possibly. And that kind of gets us into just, you know, thoughts on the on the awards themselves. You know, I have a couple. I, I wrote down a few bullet points in terms of things that happen. Um, number one... Uh, we had a pretty even awards distribution this year. Um, I know that I talked about previously how much I missed one big dominant winner. It didn't feel like this year was going to be it. It just came in feeling like they were going to be pretty evenly sparsed, and they were. I mean, fortunately, the Best Picture winner won the most awards. I always like that. I You know, okay, this is the Best Picture. It should win the most awards, and it won four. Um, it won Director. It won score and it won production design and picture, right? Um, I'm down with that. I love it. Not to mention the fact that finally a best picture and best director scored for the same movie again, which has been a, a rarity in the past decade. Um, how do you feel about that even distribution? Are you okay with it? Do you feel like some should have deserved more? Are you pretty happy with the way everything kind of – I mean, it followed pretty much what we predicted. Yeah, I mean, I think – there was a lot of, you know, great movies that, that, and there wasn't any clear cut favorite, and so I think that's reflected in who won. I think, um, I think all the best picture nominations were flawed in some way, um, not from the standpoint of the movies were bad in one area or another, but from a, you know, shoe in to be best picture, they were all flawed in, sure. in in some way, and and maybe Shape of Water was the least flawed of them. Um, you know, but I think there was no arguing that, you know, Dunkirk of the best picture nominations was the most technical of those movies. Like, I know yeah. shape of water, you know, obviously had a lot into it, but, um, you know, I would still argue that Dunkirk had a whole lot more from a technical aspect that went into it, especially sure. on an editing side. Fortunately, um, it won all those technical yep, awards. <laughs> exactly. And I think. You could easily argue that the best acting from the best from the best picture nominees came from three billboards, and yeah. they won their acting ones. And and I think production, I think it, it was valid for for Shape of Water to get that. Um, and so I think I think the awards fell. It just kind of came down to um, you know what we'll talk about in a little bit is the preferential vote, which sure. led to I think Shape of Water. Because the thing is is Dunkirk win. Dunkirk, if Dunkirk was to win, it would have had the most. If it would have won yep. Best Picture, it would have yep. had the most awards. Yeah. Uh, if three billboards would have won, it would have been in a tie with Dunkirk and Shape of Water. Yeah. Um. So I mean, 
I think the awards reflected the type of year it was for movies, sure. in my opinion. Sure, I agree. And I think that, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I think one of the biggest kind of narratives coming out of it is how Lady Bird didn't win anything. Um, and that's, I mean, I get it. You know, like it's a favorite movie for a lot of people and to see it get shut out sucks. Um, but like, who are you going to replace? I think if anything, if I had to make one call, and this is not an easy call to make, but if anything, I would have switched supporting actress and I probably would have given it to Lori Metcalf instead of Allison Janney. Taking nothing away from Allison Janney. She's phenomenal. Like, taking nothing away from her. But like, like I would have at least given Lady Bird that yeah. something. But, you know, you can't do anything. You know, well, and I do? think, but I think the thing that Allison Janney had going for her is that the Academy showed time and time again that if you have a amazing, if you do an amazing job at a actual, you know, and this wasn't quite your traditional biopic, right? But if you do an amazing job at representing an actual person mm -hmm. and pulling that off, and it's a memorable performance, it's almost always a shoe in. I mean, look at Gary Oldman winning Best Actor. I mean, that was. Playing right. Winston Churchill to a T, you know, things like that. Right. Everybody seems to get rewarded if you do a memorable performance of a doesn't matter if they're a big name or a non big name. Right. Like the Academy and acting awards love themselves some biopics. For sure, for sure. But at the same time, like it's exciting that guys like Daniel Kaluuya could get nominated for being in a horror film. Sure. You know? Um, it's great that somebody like you know, Sally Hawkins can get, can get nominated for playing, you know, a deaf woman who fucks a fish man. Like, that's cool. I'm into it, you know? Like, uh, maybe not as into it as that may have sounded. Um, but, but you know, it shows that there's, you know, diversity is, po is, is possible. There are a lot of firsts this year. Um, and, I mean, we just got to – I mean, it's a hell of a year for first-time winners. You got Jordan Peele coming in and winning an Oscar. That's amazing. Gary Oldman, as you said, finally winning an Oscar. Roger Deakins, after 14 nominations. That guy did the cinematography for Shawshank, for Skyfall. Like, that guy is an artist, and he finally got recognized. And then, of course, David, before I mention our last name, let me just mention some people who have not won an Oscar. Johnny Depp, no Oscar. Edward Norton, Ian McKellen. Liam Neeson, Alan Rickman never got one. Hell, even if we go to directors like Terry Gilliam, David Cronenberg, um, Paul Thomas Anderson still hasn't gotten one. Uh, David Lynch never got one. David Fincher never got one. But as you and I predicted, Kobe fucking Bryant now has an Academy Award. It's true. They uh, Did you hear? The Academy loves them some Lakers. Did you hear? I'm going to steal this bit from them, but did you see the ringer talking about somebody? Somebody had tweeted. I, I, I apologize. I don't have the correct um, reference there, but somebody tweeted that Kobe just created a new um, award. So you're familiar with the EGOT, right? Mm -hmm. Emmy, Golden Globe, Oscar, and Tony. Um, somebody said that Kobe is now the first winner of the LMFAO, which is um, – it was uh, – Jesus – it was MVP, like league champion. Uh, F was finals MVP. A was an all star. Um, 
and then o was, o was Oscar. Oscar. Yeah. So it's a chance only basketball players can win an LMFAO <laughs> now. Um, but Kobe Bryant has it. Fucking crazy. Do you yeah. think he deserved it? I mean, it's in a category that I, let me just call it how it is. I don't really care about. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's it's an animated short. I think it was one of the few times where we didn't have like an obvious winner from Pixar. Sure. I mean, normally you're just basically what was in front of the Pixar movie this year and let's just hand it the award. Um, there sure. wasn't anything super memorable from them. And the fact of the matter is, is Dear Basketball, <laughs> Pixar contributed to anyways. So Did they? I think so. Okay. I think he teamed up with uh, one, of the one of the guys from Pixar. Probably. That probably makes sense. Uh, you knew L.A. wasn't going to give up the chance to give Kobe an Oscar. Absolutely. Um, so that kind of brings me to one of the main things that I wanted to talk about. I figure now is as good a time as any. Um, obviously, we have kept bringing this up throughout our Oscar coverage, and I'm going to keep bringing it up because this is sort of my uh, my social cause, which is kind of fucked up. Like, I fully recognize that my priorities are out of whack here, and there are way more important things happening out in the world in terms of equality and representation and inclusion and whatnot. But I'm, I'm over here, and I'm going to fight the good fight. Um, we I still think we have a long way to go f- for genre representation in in the Oscars. Um, I think that, you know, you look at the 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 genre films that were nominated, um, and obviously there were some big strides made this year. Uh, Get Out, you know, it's a horror satire. Um, or even, I mean, shit, man, you even look at The Shape of Water, that's a fantasy romance, you know? So, like, those films kind of, differentiated themselves from the normal Oscar fair. But you look at all of the other nominees again, and I know we've gone over this before, but Call Me By Your Name is a drama. Darkest Hour is a historical drama. Dunkirk is a war drama. It's a little bit more thrilling, but it's a war drama. Uh, Lady Bird is an indie dramedy. Three Billboards is a social dramedy. The Post is another historical drama. Phantom Thread is a fucking pretentious drama. Drama, drama, drama. Drama, 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 drama. Did you know, David, that the three most awarded genres are drama, romance, and war? Followed by comedy, biography, and history. And they're, and, and make no mistake, like those, they could have crossovers with one another because you have your historical dramas and you have your romantic war films and things like that. But over 90% of all best picture winners are dramas. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think the Academy is making steps forward. One of the things that I saw was the montages, um, which I really enjoyed this year. Um, they did montages for, uh, before every acting category to show off all of the performances of the past which i thought was really cool because it was like oh yeah that performance was really great oh yeah that performance was really great oh yeah sean penn won two oscars jesus christ like it was a good reminder of some stuff but at the same time like the academy is trying to celebrate film and they are showing clips of Wonder Woman and they're showing clips of the Avengers and fucking Black Panther, but they don't include them in their biggest awards conversations. They are still discounted as not Oscar films. Um, well, the other thing you have to remember with the Oscars, the show itself, is that this is one of the few times. I mean, the Oscars isn't a, a show that necessarily is targeting 
you know all the film nuts out there. They know the film nuts will be watching, but that doesn't give them amazing ratings for the Oscar show, which is at the end of the day what they want um, for the show itself. I'm not saying sure. for the event itself, no. but for the show itself, they need to put something on that's going to get people to stay tuned and watch the entire show. And so that's why you have things like musical performances and montages, even though, you know, we get montages every single year. I, I do have to, I'm going to pause you for just a second. Hold that thought. I have to give a special shout out to the Academy for that montage tribute to, to war films or not just war films, but films that had to deal with the military because a, it was a great montage, but B amazing political move when you're talking you know you have all of the hollywood elite who most of middle america thinks is out of touch um and you have um common rapping about the nra and and all these things um which are bound to piss off a lot of people in the bible belt but then they do a montage tributing soldiers and war films like that's just to me i was like ooh that's a good that's a real smart political move, you know, because it is the, literally the only other genre the Academy is willing to give awards to as well. So it fits the narrative. Um, but, you know, I think the, the ceremony can't change. Like the Oscars are still important. You know, we can't have a fucking fan vote or anything like that. Right. Sure. But I think and, and, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. You know, we're living in a time now, we're living in a golden age of storytelling where you have Disney making um, films with a message. You have Marvel that is putting out films that are way more than what uh, Phase 1 was. Like, they're not just your normal superhero. I just rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 again, and the fact that that film ends with, like, Rocket Raccoon making the realization that he can still be loved beyond death... Like, and having that being unspoken, like, that's some heavy shit and some amazing writing for a superhero film. Um, and I'm just, you know, you know, you and, and again, as we said, Logan got nominated this year, but it never was going to win. Sure. It didn't have a chance. Um, I mean, you even look at the awards that did win that we liked, like Dunkirk. I would argue, and, and you can feel free to agree with me or disagree with me, that Baby Driver was just as er, deserved, if not maybe even more so, for all of the awards that Dunkirk won, both Sound Awards and the Editing Award. But the Academy played it safe again. They went to their war film. Well, that me that's more prestigious. That's That means more than this little, you know, ooh, car chase movie with cool music. It just felt... It just felt that even though we were having people brought to the party, it just felt like they were still pushed off to the side. See, this maybe is, maybe this, I'm just wrong. I don't know. This this is where I this is my one issue with the concept of 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 what we've been talking about with we need more diversity in the Oscars as All far right. as things like that. I'm fine with that. I am 100% behind that. I love seeing Logan. I thought it was deserving of it. Um, I think Baby Driver was definitely nominate, uh, deserving of the nomination. And in a lot of years, it probably could have easily been the winner. Sure. Um, but I also don't think we need to start handing out awards to movies because we think it would be good if something like this won it. 
I agree. Like I agree. I if like Black Panther right now to me is the best picture of 2018. Right. Granted, we're in February it's, it's March. or March, <laughs> and there's going to be lots of movies that come out, and maybe at the end of the year, I will think Black Panther was the best movie of this year, but. I also don't think at the end of this year we should say, you know what, let's give Black Panther the award because we need to give, like, society needs Black Panther to win this. Like, that's... It does in it's, many different it's, ways, it's, it's the equivalent <laughs> of where we're going in society with, like, participation ribbons okay. and garbage like that. Okay. Where it's like, I if, if I want to win an award... If I was in a competition, if I want to win an award, sure. I want to win it because I was the best. I don't want to win it because they say, you know what? He's been trying for 12 years and he just, you know, he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's let's give it to him. Like like I don't want to I don't want to be handed award because they don't want to give Meryl Streep another award. Sure. Like I want to do it because I legitimately was better than Meryl Streep if I was an actress. Like okay. that's kind of where I'm at with it. So I respect that. I think it's great to continue to think outside the box, but I don't think it needs to we need to sacrifice actual quality and what is the best film of the year. Now that's okay. Now when it comes to winners, you're right. I'm going to walk my shit back a little bit because I'm Dunkirk is 100% deserving over Baby Driver. Like I I'm fine with that, right? But, like, I'm talking more about nominees. Sure. I'm talking more about you go back to 2009 when they first reinstituted the 10-picture system. You had Avatar, the biggest film of all time at the time. You had Blindside, a crowd-pleasing drama. You had District 9, a fucking weird-ass sci-fi movie. You had Inglorious Bastards, which was a, an insane Tarantino movie. You had Up which was a gigantic animated Pixar film. But then you had the small films like um, Precious and An Education and A Serious Man. And ultimately, uh, shocker, a war film won, The Hurt Locker, a film I love, a film that I have no problem winning Best Picture. But more people watched that because they recognized the films and more people felt like they're included in the party. Um, and I'm not just talking about you know, viewers of the awards. I'm talking about genres. I'm talking about artists. I'm talking about directors and things like that. Like, all I'm saying is, is I personally think we should go back to the 10 best picture system. I think this best out of 10 or 5 to 10 is bullshit. And all I'm looking for is just more genre diversity in the best picture nominations. Sure. Like, I mean, and we'll talk about some of the stuff that came up. But, like, it's. I don't think it's that hard of a stretch. I mean, the best picture category is a film that has had – or is, it, is an award that has been, you know, Star Wars was nominated for it. Jaws was nominated for it. The Sixth Sense, The Fugitive, all the Lord of the Rings films. There's precedent there. Sure. And I just feel like the Academy is, has been slipping back into this, oh, it, it has to be important and tiny and, and, and whatever. Sure. Now... One could make the argument that the fact that they gave The Shape of Water the best picture this year shows that they're willing to go outside the box. I'm. I, that's exciting. It's 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 been it's kind of been a teeter totter. Sure. Show. But I mean, Shape of Water didn't make a ton of money this year either. No, but it is the highest grossing best picture winner in six years. Sure. And it's only made fifty seven million. Yeah. Um. So it is the third, I believe. It is the third highest grossing best picture nominee. But don't you think that's one of the issues that 
the academy, you know, has to balance from the standpoint of you keep handing them to movies that you're 98%, I would venture to guess, if not more, yeah. that's watching the Oscars has not even seen. Right. Maybe they've read about, seen a commercial for, all of that. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're like, eh. I mean, I I was sitting next to your next to your mom at the Oscar hadn't parties seen a last night, one of them. and hadn't they were going through the names of them, and she's like, I haven't seen any of these. No, and shouldn't even know of them. Yeah. Half the people at the Oscar party didn't even know what they were. So, I mean, I think that's always going to be your issue. Again, I don't think you just put in movies for sake of hey, let's get a popular one in there. Of course, but I think I think you could easily expand your your criteria from the standpoint of okay and and in this year i i actually didn't have a whole lot of issues with many of the the names that were nominated no. um i think there's definitely some that you could sub out i think they definitely missed a chance to put like a a movie like wind river in there especially when you've got 10 nominations that you could have and you right. don't use them all um, or to, I mean, if we want to follow, so the reason I don't track box office is because box office is bullshit. Audiences will go see any old stupid sure. thing. The reason I, I treat it with genre is because there are certain genres that are more popular. So for example, you could have taken out Phantom Thread in the post and put in Logan and Wonder Woman. Sure. You could have put in Star Wars, The Last Jedi. You could have put in Coco. Like, you mean to tell me that those films don't deserve to be up there amongst the Best Picture nominees? I just think you're wrong, you know? Uh, a lot of people, I don't know if you saw this or, or read this at all. Did you see this shit on Twitter um, where, you know, you got a lot of these media outlets are doing interviews with anonymous Academy members? And so many of them put Get Out last because, well, that's just not an Oscar film. Yeah. Which on one hand, like, listen, stop being so fucking white. On the other hand, like, stop being so close-minded. Like, a horror film can be an Oscar film. Any film should be able to be an Oscar film. Yeah. Well, and I think that kind of leads us to the preferential balloting. So, yes. Uh, Which we, is... prob we probably need to review real briefly yes. what the process is. So, basically, all the voters rank your best picture nominees one through nine. Mm-hmm. And once all the votes are tallied, if there's a movie that has more than 50% of the first place votes, they win. They're right. Just straight away. Up. Just straight away. If there is that it, big of a, of a crowd favorite, yep. it wins. And if there's not, so say something's at like 40% but doesn't have 50%, right. they then go to the last place film and basically get rid of its first place, basically get rid of that movie and look at what the people that put that movie as first place put for their second place. And then they distribute it. And then they distribute those out again. If they're still not at 50%, then they would go to the third place, or the, I guess at that point, the then eighth then place film. They would get removed, and everybody at second place would get distributed. Exactly. So and, and in so some far. cases, if, if and I'm sure there are those Oscar voters that they're, they're one and two were the ninth and eighth sure. most popular then you might move down to the third place the third votes on fifth. those ballots. But if you get um, to like, if you get to, to, to the final two, uh, actually, I will say goldderby.com, which is a website that we've used to kind of do our own little tracking and stuff this year. They actually did a really cool YouTube video. It's about eight minutes long. And they literally demoed out 
the preferential balloting system and they got down to the final two nominees and the pallets the ballots that they were pulling had those final two nominees after they eliminated all the other ones they pulled the ballot and they said well they have these last two nominees at eighth and ninth so on this ballot it's literally this person's bottom two picks mm -hmm. but because eighth goes ahead of ninth the picture that was picked at eighth gets the coin sure well and and the thing is with this it i mean it's it's under it's understandable what they're trying to accomplish in here in right. that they're trying to get that film that was top of the list for the most amount of people so um you know, if you get someone that gets over 50% of the number one votes, it's pretty safe to say that those people, that movie was loved by a huge, you know, number right. of people in the Academy. Right. Where it gets a little sketchy is after that. Because to me, I think it makes sense if it was just straight first place votes. Uh -huh. Because, but the problem with that is you get a movie like Lady Bird where you may have a bunch of like feverish fans sure. that have it as number one. Right. But then everybody else has it as their number nine. Right. So how do you weigh that? And so I get what they're trying to do. The problem is, is that's where we get into situations like last year where I would say, I've, I haven't seen the ballots and we'll never see the ballots, I right. don't think. But I would venture to guess that La La Land was probably in most m most voters' top three. Right. And Moonlight was probably not in as many people's top three, but just more people's maybe top maybe two. Maybe number one or number top one. two. Number one, yeah. So, yeah, so you bring up a really good point, which is like if one film is universally – voted as the third best film of the year yeah Th that film doesn't almost does has no shot at winning like by the way the preferential ballot system works um i find it a little bit more interesting less from a stats viewpoint and more from a viewpoint as a way to gain the system which i think is something that happened this year now i'm preface this by saying i love guillermo del toro shape of water was my favorite film of last year i absolutely adored it I'm so happy it won Best Picture. But I think that this type of preferential balloting benefits films that people enjoy versus difficult films to handle. Um, and I think that's why films like Get Out and Three Billboards ultimately wound up not having a shot because Three Billboards was probably, probably respected, but it probably wasn't liked. See, I, I would agree um, where I think that theory breaks down is obviously all you got to do is go back one year um, and look at last year's. To Moonlight and La La Land? To Moonlight and La La Land. Like, it's hard to find many people that did not enjoy La La Land. Um, well, also, I mean, to counter your argument, last year was the like the birth of the Oscars so white. It was right after that. Sure. Like, they were in the mood to make political, you know, decisions and shit like that. Like, it's it's just it's interesting. I think well, it's ultimately it, my point is that there's, it's it's interesting. See, well, and and, and here's <laughs> here's where the academy would never do this, but I think it would be absolutely fascinating if they would release the actual vote tallies. Like, show us like 
who led in first place. Right. And how we got to the point that we did. Right. And I and I honestly, while I think they would get crap over it when they see when the common person sees what the heck, like three billboards got more first place votes than Shape of Water. Why did Right. Three billboards not win right. or whatever the case because may be. Shape Dunkirk. of Water got more second place votes. Yeah. Because there was tons of people that didn't like three billboards because you thing. had a racist person getting redeemed in the story or whatever the controversy I, was and around that's the it. the thing so. is I bet you three billboards, it was either first or last. Like I bet you nobody put it in like three to six. Yeah. Because that's a divisive film. Either you're all in on it or you're all out on it. I but think it, the same is true of Get Out. Well, and I think even like a Lady Bird. Uh, exactly. I mean, I could see lots of people either being a huge fan of it or saying it's a good movie, but it's not It's not my top for an Oscar. Like, it's not, right, it's not in the, the top for an Oscar Best Picture winner. But The Shape of Water, not only is it... Guillermo del Toro, who's beloved in Hollywood, not only is it a culmination of work from a crew of people who are beloved in Hollywood, actors, that's another thing to consider, is it had three acting nominations, and actors make up the most, the biggest chunk of the Academy. They make up almost 20% of the Academy. Um, and so I think that, you know, from the preferential approach, I think you are more likely to see a Shape of Water get a one, a two, or a three, I would be very shocked if anybody put Shape of Water at a nine. I would be surprised. Then again, it's my opinion. I'm sure there sure. are people in the Academy who fucking hated it. But And this is, this is where it gets to my biggest frustration with the preferential balloting is just that it's it's all preferential. And for, I mean, and granted... No one ever said the Academy is supposed to represent the people. Sure. Uh, and they have other awards for those purposes. But at the end of the day, it's like, I don't like the fact that, like, and, and, and I think Shape of Water was very well deserving. Um, and I love Del Toro as well. Right. But, like, I'd hate to think that, like, someone in their mind said, you know what? I'm going to give it to Shape of Water because I think Del Toro deserves it. You know, like that kind of thing. Like sure. that shouldn't be how it's done. But the fact is we're all human. And that's if you're picking between two, if you say ah, Shape of Water or Dunkirk or Shape of Water or Three Billboards. Right. Like, ah, Del, Del Toro how, deserves one. That's how you Gary know, like Oldman won. Like Gary Oldman gave a fantastic performance. I can make the argument that, you know, Timothy Chalamet's was better. Or Daniel Kaluuya's was better. I can make the argument. That's sure. what I'm saying. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Ultimately, I think we're just um, talking about an award show that for the first time in a while, I don't know about you, but I was really happy with. I thought it was – I thought – it was appropriately distributed. I thought it had some really great first-time moments, like I said, with Jordan Peele, with Gary Oldman, um, and with Guillermo. I mean, with I mean, like I said, Guillermo's beloved in Hollywood. That guy is wears the heart on his sleeve. Um, he's always been this little, this grown-up kid who just loves playing with his toys. His entire fucking house. Is well, filled with toys and, and sculptures and collectibles. The guy is a fan. Well, and this is where I would argue, too, is, you know, everybody talks about diversity. Like, we need more um, ethnicity, you know, diversity we, and ethnicity. We got it, baby. We need more diversity and, you know, yeah. women versus men. Sure. We're things like that. It. But my thing is, is it happened this year. 
without me feeling like it was forced. Like I feel like in other years, and, and this may be just me, I feel like in other years there's certain times where I felt like it was kind of forced. Like, you know, I'll say it, Moonlight. I mean, to me, it felt like it was forced because of all the backlash from the year before. I fell asleep in um, Moonlight. I can't. It, Moonlight was like but, Phantom Thread to but me. But I honestly, the more I thought about it, felt like Get Out was the most original screenplay. Like, to me, like, I am perfectly happy with that. I felt like it was deserving. I didn't feel like, oh, this is just like a good nod to Jordan right. Peele and that. Right. And I also felt like... Um, Guillermo obviously deserved it. Sure. And, you know, and I know to me, that's where it's like, we don't need to force it necessarily. If, if we continue to have people whose work speaks for themselves, yes, like we shouldn't have to force this. Like Black Panther should be nominated this coming year. I'm going out on a limb and saying it'll be in the top 10 at least. Okay. And it's not going to feel like it was forced into that. And if... Um, well, I think... Go ahead. I'll let you continue. And, and if it gets the best that. director nod as well, I don't think it's going to feel like it was forced. Right. But at the same time, like, if there comes a year where, listen, we just don't have a, you know, a black director or a female director that directs a best picture worthy or is just flat out beat out by five other directors that right. did a better job. Like, I don't think you force that person in there just so we can say, okay, we checked the box of this. Well, like, it's just like your argument with me and blockbusters. You don't want to, you don't want to use them to fill a quota. Uh, you want them to naturally come in. And I think you're going to see that in more and more years because obviously we've been, gone through a rough patch in the past, let's say what, three years, four years, just in a, a political rough patch, just from a, from a, um, uh, from a, a standpoint of, of there are so many stances and movements happening, like there are so many movements happening, but that's all turmoil. That's all the rapids. Once the rapids are done, hopefully the status quo will have changed and we will get natural things happening naturally. I think this is what happened this year. We had a lot of really great films that happened naturally from women, from, from African-American directors. I mean, Kugler, obviously, for Black Panther, but from Jordan Peele, you look at Wonder Woman. You know, you look at films like that that came out. Um, and I think you're going to start seeing that happen well, more. And I'm pumped for it. Well, and I think if, if there's any any responsibility from anything in the industry to me it's not when you get to the awards voting um you know other than obviously giving it a fair shake and something like you know and i keep going back to the black panther just because it's fresh in my mind yeah um but you know giving it a fair shake and not just thinking oh it's another superhero movie but i think really where the onus falls on more is is giving the opportunity is the movie studios giving talented people um, you know, whether it be women or people of different ethnicities, uh, the opportunity to have those, you know, opportunities sure. to direct movies or do films and things like that. Yeah. And so that I think is when you will see it reflected in the awards is when there's more opportunity afforded to them to even make the films. Um, and if they suck, then let's then not give them an award like, like or even nominate them for award. But if they do a great job, then let's let them learn, earn it on merit, right. not based off of, oh, we need to fill a quota. Like Justice League didn't make a bunch of money just because it had superheroes in it. You know, Ju Justice League had 
women running the show and African Americans running the show and fucking American Samoas in it and 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 shit like that. And that movie still didn't make any money because it wasn't good. good. Yeah, you know. So I think you and I both agree. I think if this diversity can come naturally, both in the talent involved and in the in the in the genres that are being produced, then. You, Hopefully you and I will both be happy. Yeah. And, and I mean, as I said, obviously this, this year's really, really fantastic. Um, but you brought up a really good point, David, or you brought up one last thing that I want to, uh, I want to wrap up with, which is, um, you said Black Panther's best film of the year right now. And granted we are only in March, but I wanted to do, obviously we did our very first Oscar predictions, I think in August of last year. Um, which were way early, way too early. But I want to do right now as we end this, uh, you know, the the Oscars are like the Super Bowl of of the of the previous year. Even though we're in March, we finally are putting the cap on 2017, and we get to look to 2018. So I want from you, and I know I asked you this ahead of time. We want to do the way, way, way too early Oscar predictions for Best Picture right now. In March of 2018, give me five films that you think can be considered, and well, if and if you know what they are, give us a little like like why, like who they're involved, who's involved. Well, I'm going to give a couple um, that are just from from my own instincts and okay. and thoughts, and then some others from research. In that it just seems like kind of like we did with some of the movies this year. Um, obviously, a lot of the ones that we thought would be shoe wins to be nominated uh, did not end up. Um, some of those being Shit your Florida changes. project. Uh, we talked about the current war, which is still MIA, and we don't know where it went. <laughs> we don't know where it went. Um, but for me, I think you got to look at the Irishman, um, Scorsese okay. coming back. Um, all the names and the people being reunited in in a movie that um, I also think may break another barrier in the fact that uh, isn't Netflix distributing that? He, they are. So will we finally see you know someone like Netflix break through that barrier? Which Possibly. It may be still early for, but if Scorsese and the and the actors that we have a part of that can't break through, then I don't know who is going to break through. Um, But I think um, some of the ones that you'll also talk about, um, which will be interesting to see, you have ones like um, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, which great title, number one. It's a great title. It has Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill, Rooney Mara, who are all, you know, big name, big talent people. Gus Van Sant. Um, Yep. And so that's obviously it's a it's a biopic about an artist. So hey, biopic artists, Oscar people, you know, dramedy, yeah, all of it. So it seems to check a lot of the boxes. Um, you also have you know your favorite studio in A twenty four picking up a movie called Eighth Grade. Um, okay, and it sounds like a coming of age. Is it story. a coming of age story? It's, it's a uh, it's Bo Burnham's directorial debut about a teen girl on the verge of exiting middle school. So it sounds exactly like an A twenty four film and exactly yep. like a movie that Bo Burnham though. Like yeah. that's interesting. That's yeah. like 
obviously Bo Burnham is not on the level of like a Kumail Nanjani or somebody like that, but that's the same thing. Like you have like this comedian coming out and making a indie film. That could be interesting. Yep. Okay. Um, you have, um, you know, obviously you got Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs, which a lot of people are thinking, but that would probably be more on the animated side. I don't think it would be. You never know. You never know. If, um, if we can, tr I mean, shit, man. If we have to have a Wes Anderson animated film nominated for Best Picture, I'm fine with it as long as we get like some animated film recognition, you know? But I'll give you two more, and both of them, just by their description, just scream Oscar bait to okay. me. Okay. All right. So you got Joel Egerton directing Boy, Boy a movie. Erased? Boy Erased. Okay. I had that one time. The drama well. about a Christian man who goes through a gay through gay conversion therapy yep. and it's got Lucas Hedges, Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe. Yep. If that doesn't scream Oscar bait to you, I don't know what will. Um, and then you have focus features. <laughs> then you Although, have, Although, I mean, again, some love for our boy, Joel Egerton. No. And it, yeah. it's, it's not to say that it couldn't end up being a right, fantastic, it could be fantastic movie. but it just, as we're reading it out, like it checks off all the fucking boxes. Yeah. If you're wanting diversity and change in what's going to be nominated, this checks off all the boxes of what <laughs> they would normally pick. Exactly. And then you got Brad Pitt and plan B coming out with uh, a movie called a beautiful boy. Okay. With Someone who I would say got a lot of momentum from this year. Not to say that will carry on to the next year, but it's got uh, Timothy Chalamet, your your boy, okay, <laughs> uh, and Steve Carell, and it's like a father son drama. So it seems like almost like you know another one of those type of films. Okay, um, but yeah, so those are those are some of the ones I would say. Um, I still think I still come back to Blank, Black Panther, and I think. Uh, there's Hell just, yeah. There's just far too many things and the way that it was received publicly, um, you know, the fact that there are some some very specific messages in it that yep. are very current to what is going on now. Of course. That I feel like Hollywood just for all the things that they have against those types of films, I feel like it's too much for them to for even them to ignore. Yeah. I'm, that was the first on my list was Black Panther fucking Wakanda forever. Like, I literally listed off, like, Black Panther could be up for eight awards right now. Like, pi picture, director, actor, supporting actor, supporting actress, cinematography, production design, score, song. Like, that's nine. At visual effects, ten. I keep fucking going, right? Like, it's so fucking good, right? Yep. But, uh, so, but that one's already come out. So I had four. That I now, I, besides Black Panther, that I wanted as well. Um, I had uh, Tully, which is uh, the next film from Jason Reitman, who did Young Adult. He did Up in the Air, and that's with Charlize Theron as the mother. I think you've seen the trailer. Mm -hmm. Another dramedy. Um, Diablo Cody wrote it, so you have some Academy recognition there. I think that could get some love. Um, you have Mary Queen of Scots, which is. British American historical drama starring Saoirse Ronan as Mary Queen of Scots, starring Margot Robbie as Queen Elizabeth. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that's okay, fine. Sign me up. I'm there. You have Backseat, um, which I think is the working title of this, but it's the Dick Cheney film from Adam McKay, who directed The Big Short. Isn't that... Uh... 
who's the one that put on all? Uh, Christian, Christian Bale's, Bale. Christian Bale's Dick Cheney. Christian yep. Bale is Dick Cheney. If you haven't seen Sam the, Rockwell. If you haven't seen the pictures of Christian Bale as Dick Cheney, it's it's, crazy. it's legitimately disturbing, terrifying. The cast is out of control, David. Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Sam Rockwell, Steve Carell, and I and that's just the top liners. Basically you know? just anybody that was in Big Short. Basically Big Short Part 2. I'm in. I don't give a fuck. I'm in there, right? And then the last one that I wanted to list was First Man, which is a biographical historical period drama directed by my boy Damien Chazelle from La La Land and Whiplash fame, but it's not about music. It's about landing on the moon. Gosling, Kyle Chandler, Jason Clark, John Barenthal, Claire Foy. I mean, I'm 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 anticipating big things for this film. This film will either, much like the space program, will either soar to the stars, it'll blow up before it even takes off. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm excited for some of these movies. I mean, and again, I would love to be excited by Aquaman. I would love to be excited by Mary Poppins Returns or um, The Incredibles 2. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. But as far as just looking at the typical stuff, looking at what the Academy gravitates towards, I think it's pretty easy to pick out the few, especially because we haven't had any major indie darlings. Like there's always some indie darlings that gain steam and whatnot. Um, but yeah, David, it's been a hell of a 2017 all the way up to the Oscars. Next week, we are getting right back into it with Wrinkle of Time. We'll have a guest host. Uh, before we go, I want to encourage everybody to listen to our free refills mini series, which is going through all of the Marvel films leading up to Infinity War, which we had to adjust the timeline on because they bumped that shit up a week. So now we got to tweak some stuff. Um, I also encourage everybody to go online on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, follow us at the popcorn diet, go to popcorndietpodcast.com for all of our, all of our episodes, all of our articles, our reviews, our predictions, things like that. But for David Melhorn, the Canadian machine, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. We had a wonderful time at the Oscars. We will see you next week for A Wrinkle in Time. And we got a whole year of 2018 movies to look forward to on a popcorn diet. Adios.